Hello, I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center. Welcome to Dialogue on Teaching, a Silhouette interview. The Silhouette conversations are sparked from a list of standardized questions. We have the good fortune to hear firsthand from teaching exemplars about their teaching and teaching life. Today, our Silhouette guest is Dr. Joretta Marshall. Dr. Marshall is Emerita Professor of Pastoral Theology and Care, Bright Divinity School, Fort Worth, Texas. Welcome, Joretta, to the conversation. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. So let's get started. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> what a great way to start. Um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a very small town uh, where there was uh, southern Wisconsin, one church and a post office and a grocery store, and that was about it. A couple of bars because we were in Wisconsin. And when I was young, I went home and said to my mom, I think I'd like to be a minister. And this was before women were ministers in mainline denominations in the United States. And my mother was a wise woman who didn't say to me, you can't do that, or have you thought about that really? She simply said, well, that's an interesting thing. And as I continued to grow, she found ways to help me figure out if that was really what I wanted to do or not. So it was an early and young kind of, in my language, calling. And I had intended to serve a church. Uh, and I did go back and serve a church for a few years before I went to do my PhD. And then became aware of how significant teaching was, mm -hmm. especially if you want to change the church or change the world. Mm -hmm. So that um, challenged me to think about teaching more clearly. Nice. Who was proud of you when you became a teacher? Um, there were a lot in my family. Um, we came from a family that didn't have the opportunity to have higher education until I was the first generation of people who graduated from college or who went to college, four-year college. Um, so when I became a teacher, it was um, important to my family because I had um, relatives who understood that teaching could be really important. Not all of them, but a great number of them. I also, it's true that in a small town, when you grow up in a small town, everybody kind of claims you. Mm -hmm. So there were people in the small town that, although they didn't quite understand why I wasn't in a local church, they loved that I was teaching. Mm -hmm. Who has influenced your teaching for the better? Uh, so many good teachers in the world. And um, I've really been fortunate to have some really good teachers. Um, probably the person who influenced me the most, other than some in uh, childhood and high school, I had really good teachers um, in these small schools. I started in a two-room schoolhouse and then eventually found my way to the big city where there were uh, actually 12 grades. Uh, but when I got to college, I had some really good, significant teachers who helped me think about um, what it means not just to think critically, but what it means to be a person in the world who really wants to change the world or a person in the world who wants to help others transform. But probably the person that influenced me most was Peggy Way, who was a faculty member at Vanderbilt yeah. Divinity School. Yeah, I remember Peggy Way. Yeah, mm -hmm. she was quite the woman. And um, she came to ILIF, where I was an MDiv student, and taught a summer course. 
And I had no idea what pastoral theology was, but I really, really um, was appreciative of who she was and began to think I could I could learn something from her. So I sought her out as a PhD mentor and was fortunate enough to be able to work with her for several years. So. Nice. What has surprised you about teaching or the teaching line? Yeah. I'm oftentimes surprised at... Um, uh, kind of uh, the way in which students make a difference, not just in the life of the teacher, but in the life of an institution. I don't think students are always aware of the impact they have on teachers and on the institution. So that um, when I was in my first few teaching positions, I became quite aware that uh, the students who walked through the institution could say things to faculty members that helped change their mind about something. Um, sexuality would be one of those things, sexual orientation, um, that when faculty members began to meet students um, like myself and others who presented with a, a gay lesbian identity or some other kind of orientation or gender identity, um, it changed their perceptions and their minds more than if a faculty colleague had talked to them. Mm -hmm. So students really do change institutions in significant ways. A kind of empathetic encounter with students. Yeah. 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 Um, what is a favorite nickname by which you were called by a loving person? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, childhood nicknames, of course, but um, as a teacher, it, uh, when I was in administration, it was Reverend Dr. Dean or um, kind of those formal titles. And it was hard for students sometimes to call me by my first name, which was my preference at the, in those days. Um, so so you, you, you mentioned ministry. Yeah. Other than ministry, what profession, other than teaching in ministry, would you like to attempt? Uh, I, I would have liked to have pursued music a little bit more. I was actually quite involved in music at, when I was young, and I would have liked to have pursued that a little bit more. Um, whether I wanted to teach music or not, I wasn't sure, but I certainly enjoyed it and appreciated it a lot. What's your instrument? Um, well, I small town. So I, I played the piano for the church and the organ, and then I picked up the guitar, and I have a banjo and a so it's been a while since I've tended to some of those. So now that I'm in retirement, I find myself going back to them a bit. Toretta, I have known you for 40 years. I did not know you were musical. Well, um, and when we knew each other first, it was in an institution that had high music, right? Yeah, Significant that's right. music. That's right. That's right. And um, guitars were not seen as high church music at that point. That's <laughs> true. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, what is your preference for writing? If, do you handwrite? And what is your preference for ink pen or pencil when you write by hand? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. When I write by hand, I actually like to use either a fountain pen if I'm doing something like journaling or thinking, or sometimes I do mind maps and I'll use a fountain pen. But I also like pencils a lot. So I'll use pencils a lot when I'm doing kind of uh, strategies or working on a document or um, I'll use that to edit a lot. 
What's your superpower? Um, if I had a superpower that I would claim, I think it might be my ability to sit in the middle of chaos and appear to be able to be calm, even though the inside of me is kind of wondering what it is that I ought to be doing. But there's something about being able to sit in the middle of conflict or chaos or moments that are incredibly disruptive and to be able to sit with myself enough to figure out a response that feels um, appropriate for me or how to invite people to sit and take a position and find a way to calm themselves so that they can participate in the conversation differently. Um, so I think that's one of the pieces that I bring. What's your favorite curse word? Oh, my favorite curse word, probably um, damn. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those growing up that was always forbidden. Mm-hmm. Curse words were forbidden in general. Mm-hmm. So it's probably the word that comes to mind the most because it was so forbidden as a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, and now you get to do it as a grown-up. Yes, or say exactly. it at least, or say it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, how have you survived certain violences in teaching? Mm. By having really good people around me who help keep me um, not just grounded and centered, but who are able to care for me in spite and through the woundedness or the damage. Um, I've been really, um, in my professional life, worked hard to create support systems, friendship systems, networks, outside of an institution, because I think it's been so important for for me anyway, to be able to have a place that's not institutional, that's not part of what I do every day, that um, uh, offers me a place to really be who I want to be and who I can be and invites me to be the best of who I am at times. Mm-hmm. What healings have you witnessed or received in the classroom? Uh, in, the, in the classroom, I think the I've witnessed a lot of healing and I and I've received it although my um my focus is so much oftentimes on what I'm teaching or what I'm doing that I'm more aware of what's going on with students because I teach in pastoral care we tend to hit a lot of topics that strike deeply to people's uh, sense of who they are um and so I try to be sensitive without being overly protective or without being um uh, condescending to their own experience, which is a hard balance because you never know what someone wants, needs, how they might respond to something. Um, but I've seen incredible moments, uh, tender moment, moments, if you will, between students as they've reached out to one another when someone shares a particular story that's challenging or hard. Um, the way in which they find to reach out to one another really gives me hope for the world. What have you enjoyed most about the teaching life? Um, What I've enjoyed most about the teaching life, uh, there are so many things. It's really a great life. I enjoy engaging with human beings who want to explore and want to grow and want to learn. And I enjoy those students who think that they, um, who aren't sure what they're doing there, if you will. Not the ones who think they already know everything, but the ones who aren't sure what their journey looks like or where their vocation is taking them. And um, what a privilege to sit with people and say, you know, you don't you don't have to figure this all out. 
today or this semester. It's an ongoing, unfolding journey. Uh, and that really is a deep privilege for me. I also have um, come to value the really diverse kind of faculty colleagues um, that sit around tables and try to find ways to talk to one another. It's a, um, there sometimes has been holy ground when faculty members have found ways to really engage each other. Last question. Now that you're retired and you're still doing some adjunct work, but now that you're retired, uh, what miracles have been performed in your teaching life? Um, it's such a, uh, what miracles? Miracles are such an interesting thing because you are not always aware of them, right? So I remember one time I had a student who was particularly challenged by my stance on LGBTQ inclusion and uh, really took me on in a couple of classes. And about four or five years later, that student came back to tell me that they had found themselves in a same gender loving relationship. Huh? Um, to me, that's a miracle that they came back to tell me that number one, but um, somehow the ability to live with discomfort that I didn't know was going on quite in the way that they were experiencing it. What a powerful moment. Yeah. That's a miracle, I think. Well, and, and a witnessing of the holy, right? Yeah, so a absolutely. miracle is the witnessing of the holy. So, Yep, absolutely. Wow. Sacred journey it was. Yeah. So, Jaretta Marshall, thank you for your insight, for your candor, right? It is a pleasure. I, I mean, in, in this conversation, I realized how long we've known each other. We've known each other a long time. A long time. Yeah. So it's it's good to have a colleague for the journey, right? Yeah. And thanks for inviting me into this. It's, it's um, having questions asked that make one think. Mm -hmm. um, that's a real rare gift. So thank you. Thank you. To our listeners, the Wabash Center website is the place to get information. To look to our website for information on our hybrid workshops, our roundtables, as well as our online workshops, information about our blogs, audio blogs, syllabus collection, our journal on teaching, also information about our regranting program. A special thanks to sound engineer Paul Myrie and podcast producer Rachel Mills. The music which frames this silhouette podcast is the original composition of Paul Myrie. Wabash Center for more than 27 years is exclusively funded by Lilly Endowment Incorporated. And we are out. How was that, Paul? Mm -hmm.